There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, it's finally here. The NHL playoffs, the best postseason in any sport for my money, begins tonight with the Tampa Bay Lightning hosting the Columbus Blue Jackets at game at 7 p.m. at Emily Arena. To help you get ready for that game and for the postseason, we'll talk to Diana Neros, who covers the Lightning for the Tampa Bay Times in just a minute. And the Bucks' preseason schedule is out. They open with a rare trip to Pittsburgh, and they finish with a rare, rarer trip to Dallas in between Miami and Cleveland, coming to Raymond James Stadium and also some joint practices with the Dolphins as well. Had a chance to talk to Jameis Winston during their offseason workouts on Tuesday. I'll give you my thoughts on what he had to say. All of that and more in this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, are you ready for a magical day on the river with the manatees? I've done this. You guys have to do it, too. If so, seven days a week, you can experience the wonder and magical charm with Captain Mike's Swimming with the Manatees in Crystal River. It's the ultimate family bonding experience. Ask about their $30 manatee bronze tour, and be sure to ask for their free offer for active law enforcement officers and U.S. US military. It requires a purchase of two silver tickets at a regular price. After that, you're eligible for the free tour. Now, Captain Mike's is the number one customized manatee tour company at Kings Bay in Crystal River. It's absolutely beautiful up there. The weather's turning turning warm again. It's always 72 degrees. You're going to enjoy this day on the river. And uh, they've also got uh, pontoon boat rentals, kayak rentals, bicycle rentals, and so much more. It's fun for the whole family. You're going to enjoy swimming with these gentle creatures. Book online now at swimmingwiththemanatees.com or call 352 777 one seven nine six. Okay, Diana Neros joins us now. And Diana, I know we haven't had a lot of time for reflection about the regular season because there is no time. You're going right into the postseason now, as are the Lightning. But um, if you had to take a second, let me ask you this question: uh, Just when did it appear to you, or maybe to the team, that what they were accomplishing um, with this sixty-two wins and we didn't know if they would actually get there or not, but when did it appear that this was going to be a special season, that this group was going to do something unique? I would say if you go back to about the end of December, they were on a, uh, I think it worked out to be a 16-game point streak um, by the end of it, but they had had a bunch of high-scoring games. They had a... Uh, four, five, uh, over 10 loss to the Jets. They had five, four against Calgary, six, five, six, five against the Flyers and the Canadians. You know, those were some high, crazy scoring games. Uh, and then they met, the team met and had a meet to talk about giving up all of these goals and needing to be able to play lower scoring games. And I think that was kind of a turning point. That was about when you saw them, they had been, at the top of the league, near the top of the league, and then they started pulling away to just kind of run away with this league. And that made a difference in 
when they started looking more dominant. And ironically, that's at the end of that point streak. So obviously that point streak has a big part of them starting to build this great lead within the league standings. Um, but even after that, you know, they just kind of kept expanding on it. Even after, you know, they didn't have any other streaks of nearly that length. But that was when you started to see, okay, uh, this team can really be something. Um, I mean, from the very beginning, you wondered, can they sustain this? Can they sustain this? Can they sustain this? And then every time they did, you know, you look at how few times they lost consecutive games. And so they, they kind of made it pretty clear um, that this was going to be something special. I just don't think anybody could, you know, really be sure. Is this a 63 win season? Is this going to be the first of those, you know, Kucherov kept impressing just, Hey, let's take this to yet another level. You know, every time you were like, okay, he set this record and then, Oh wait, we're going to keep going. You know, it was just kind of one of those seasons that kept building, but I think right around that time, um, coming out of the Christmas break in particular was when they kind of turned it into another gear. Uh, they definitely got better. Let me ask you this question. Cause it, you sort of hit on it a little bit, but I just like your opinion on this. So if you look at this uh, historic season, and there are a lot of things you can look at, um, but if you, if you judged it on the 62 wins, um, Kucherov's point total, 128, the 340 goal scorers, uh, Vasilevsky, um, you know, having 39 wins despite missing like 14 games. What do you think of those feats are the most impressive? It's a really hard question. Maybe we throw out the, the win total since that's only been done one other time, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess the win total. But when you think of, I don't know, I guess I'm thinking of individuals. And I think Kucherov's point total is yeah. just, you might say, you know, he's playing with all of these talented players. He's playing with two other 40-goal scorers. So, of course, that makes it easier to get points. But it's just how he gets these points. You know, how often that there are just plays that you're just left sitting there like, oh, Okay. Um, some of the beautiful passes that have set up these goals, you know, rarely are these like, oh, yeah, he just kind of chipped the puck up and started this play. They're usually something that he did, um, you know, very much showing off his skill, his vision. And it's just been really incredible to watch. He makes things look easy that you know are not easy, but they just look so simple when he does them and that's just so impressive and maybe that's more than just 128 points but that's how he got to 128 points right exactly and you know Stamkos was such a big part of that and the the kind of year his consistency I guess and and it's a different role maybe that you know he doesn't have to score 60 goals like he did early in his career Um, but do most people agree that this is as good as Steven Stamkos as we've seen in, in a number of years yeah this really is Stamkos maybe back on track for what was expected of him and in a way better Mm -hmm. than what was expected of him because he was expected to be a pure goal scorer. And last year he really showed that he could be a playmaker. And this year he's really mixed the two very well. Um, Part of that is a factor of who he's played with. At one point he was playing with, he was the younger flashy scorer playing with established veterans who kind of could get him the puck. And now he's the one who's dishing the puck out more often, you know, but Kucherov has set him up. He set Kucherov up. He set 
his various line, you know, he's had various line mates throughout the season. Um, he hasn't played on a line with Kucherov very often at all. So it's much more than just Kucherov. But you've just seen him be a more balanced player in that sense of both scoring and playmaking. Right. And, of course, going into uh, the postseason, and we'll get to uh, their matchup, of course, tonight against Columbus in that series. Um, but, you know, it's it's nervous time, right? If you're a Tampa Bay Lightning fan, you've sat back and you've watched this team sort of circle and lap the field, if you will, um, and do something that hasn't been done uh, except one other time. So they win the President's Cup, and there's this big thing about, of course, you know, so many teams that have won the President's Cup don't necessarily go on and win the Stanley Cup. I'd just like to get your feeling on it. But me personally, I mean, I'll throw my two cents. I, I really think that it doesn't matter. I think it's hard to win a championship no matter who you're talking about. There's only one team that can win it. And these expectations, whenever they made the playoffs this year, were still going to be the same. How do you think the Lightning, though, will handle that uh, internally? You know, the Lightning has always been good about saying the right things. And I think it's mostly true, not just saying it, but about how they're focused on games and not the President's Trophy and not the 62-63 wins. They're not, you know, seeing this. The President's Trophy was something to be proud of, but not something to hang their hat on, I guess. So I don't think this is going to be a thing in a sense of a curse. There are many reasons that the Lightning could lose games. Um, injuries is chief among them, hitting a hot goaltender. Um, the general principle behind the supposed curse, which you can tell I don't put a lot of stock in, is mostly because it takes a different skill set to win in the regular season versus to win in the postseason when you play series, when you play a more intense level of hockey. It goes from being a skill finesse game which the Lightning is very good at, to being more about perseverance. And the Lightning has gotten through some stretches, some tough stretches of their schedule showing some perseverance, but you just never know what a team's going to look like in the playoffs until you get there. You never know who's going to be the 2012 Kings who sneak their way into the playoffs and then just go on a tear versus, you know, continue a really strong regular season. Uh, One of the things that some of the Capitals players have said is that they – um, when they clinched a playoff spot early, they kind of coasted. And the Lightning did a good job of not coasting for a while, but then it did start to crop up with uh, kind of the games just didn't have much meaning anymore. So if they can turn it on quickly, that'll be a big factor. I don't think there's much to the sense of a curse. I think there are many things that could trip up this team. I don't think their regular season play guarantees them a Stanley Cup by any means. I do think they're the favorites. Um, because of the way they've shown they can control games, force other teams to play their style. But, I mean, anything could happen, and that's why we like the playoffs. Absolutely. And um, when, when you talk about, you know, things that can happen in injuries, um, give me an update, if you can, on where Victor Hedman stands. It appears that he will play uh, tonight. And uh, one guy that, that I guess supposedly may not play is Anton Strawman. just uh, – Let's deal with those two and just any other things uh, injury-related that you think might be a factor going into this series, at least. Well, Hedman says he feels good. He looked good in practice. I think 
All systems are go there. Uh, Strawman has not practiced or played. He did not play in the finale in Boston. He has not practiced in the two practice since then. I'm not really sure exactly what the status is there. Apparently, the injury that had kept him out for, I think it was 12 games off the top of my head, um, appears to have a setback and flared up. I'm just not sure exactly what that is. Ryan Callahan left the uh, Boston game during the first period and did not practice on Monday, but he was back on Tuesday and all he seems to be ready. Unclear if he'll be in the lineup um, as he's been out for most of the second half of the season. But uh, from an injury standpoint, um, it seems Strollman is the only one out. Uh, you kind of never really know. Dominguez back, so he was the other one who um, was out for the last week of the regular season, and he was back, and the Lightning has sent Pasquale um, back to AHL to finish out that season and play the playoffs with Syracuse. So from an industry standpoint, it seems like everything is pretty good other than Strollman, but there's no denying that these are players who have played 82 games and they're going to power through whatever they can for the playoffs, but things can crop up. Um, aggravating anything that's happened in that long regular season. Um, it's just kind of one of the things you can never count on. You know, Hedman does so much for them, including on the power play, but just in general, uh, top defenseman in the league, obviously. But if they could sustain injuries, and not necessarily to him, but with Strawman and some others, is is the defense where they have probably the most depth, do you think? I would say more uh, amongst the forwards, really. With a fully healthy decor, then... Probably because you've seen that Ruda and Gaunt can play. Um, but when you consider that it kind of is who's their seventh is the question. If everyone's healthy, then their mm-hmm. seventh looks a lot more uh, stable, you know, than if everyone is not healthy. Um, sure. And you like the idea of a Coburn or a Girardi or a Strawman or a Sergachev as we're rotating back when they were all healthy. You know, all those are great sevenths. So that's kind of the question there, whereas the forward, you look at your 13th, is Ryan Callahan or Matthew Joseph. That, you know, those are great 13th. So with a healthy, fully healthy team, their decor looks really deep and exactly what you want going into the playoffs. The question is just um, how long does it take Strawman to come back? Uh, because if somebody else goes down now, Ruda has shown he can play. He did, you know, played very well, but he's just not as experienced as some of the others there who make uh, such a strong top seven with that full healthy contingent. Right. And tonight's first round game, of course, uh, is against Columbus, a team that they uh, beat three times during the regular season handily for the most part. Um, not necessarily the same Columbus team they've met all three times. Uh, what have been the changes? And, and they come into this uh, playoff Playing fairly well. I mean, after the trades they made, it took a while, but they've won seven out of eight of their final games. Yeah, they uh, really committed on this year and this run at the trade deadline. And I'd say I think the biggest X factor right now is Matt Duchesne, um, which sounds a little weird to call Matt Duchesne an X factor because shouldn't he just be one of the stars? He hasn't done a ton since joining Columbus. His point total isn't anything impressive, but he's capable of so much. 
anybody who's been watching hockey has seen what he's capable of with, you know, how long he spent with the Avs, what he's done with Ottawa, but Ottawa wasn't as good. Um, he doesn't have a great playoff history, but then again, the team he was playing with, the Avs, didn't do a whole lot as a team um, in either of those two playoff uh, series. So, but he is such a talented player that, um, you know, the fact that he hasn't done much in two single, you know, playoffs, two playoff series or in um, the month and a half or whatever it's been with Columbus don't, aren't really indications of what he's done over his career. So uh, if Matt Duchesne gets hot, that is a big factor. The traits that Columbus made at the deadline gave them two strong scoring lines, which is what the Lightning has, which is what has made the Lightning so difficult to play against. So it'll be really interesting to see what that looks like and um, those kind of the the depth, at least within those top two lines uh, that Columbus brings that they did not have playing against the Lightning earlier in the season. John Tortorella won a Stanley Cup with the Tampa Bay Lightning. He's had several stops since then, um, but he comes back to Tampa Bay, and we all know that he is one of the more master psychologists. Um, I think the last time they played Columbus, he talked about his team bringing the fight to them, or I might be misquoting him or paraphrasing him incorrectly, but uh, it didn't work out for more than, say, a period or so. What what edge do you think that Tortorella might give Columbus, uh, if any, in this series? I know they're not really almost very little, if any, players, aside from maybe Stamkos and, and maybe a, a one or two others, but um, he has the experience. Is, is there some psychological uh, tool you think Tortorella might pull from his toolbox? I would say Tortorella's mind games really work more with fans, media. You know, I don't think his mind games don't play a role directly on the ice as much as he's really good at deflecting attention. So yes. if the team does something that people are about to start talking about and he does something bigger, says something bombastic, and you talk yeah. about Tort um, instead of talking about his team, in a negative way. And I think that's where the mind games really become so big. I think, I mean, obviously he's a good coach. I mean, you don't last this long without being a good coach. He wouldn't have coached the lightning to that cup. I mean, he is definitely a factor in this for sure. And he's someone that the lightning fans will love talking about, uh, have some mixed love and hate for uh, now that he's coaching against the lightning. Um, Well, I guess he's done it before, but you know, in this series right now, I don't know. It's just kind of going to be fun to see. I think his, again, it's a lot of what he says and he says off the wall things intentionally. Um, You know, back when there was a talk on the trade deadline, when people thought they were still going to be sellers and, um, I think it was Panar- Panarin was sick, and he uh, described it very graphically, you may recall. <laughs> uh, yes. And you know, now we're talking about how Tort says this graphic description of this guy with a stomach bug rather than we're really speculating whether or mm. not he's truly sick or being hidden or, you know, whatever. And that's what he that big personality of his does so well. So it'll be fun to have a series against Tortorella. That's for sure. Yeah. He's always entertaining and gives us lots to write about. Uh, certainly 
Let me ask you this, because I, you know, this is the day, right, that we all felt, and I know you probably did at times, and certainly the players must have, that it would never come. It just seemed like this season was just not going to get to the postseason. This is what they've thought about. Um, this is what they worked for uh, all year long to get back to the point where they can climb that mountain again in the postseason and, and put themselves in the position they were a year ago uh, to win a game and, and go to the Stanley Cup and hopefully win it. Um, so I'm wondering, in some ways, is how do I phrase this? Can the Lightning just sort of cut it loose now? In other words, um, there I know Steven Stamkos talked about their want to. There's nothing to hold back now. Do you, do you see them in 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 a in a mode where you know they can relax now and just go for it? I think there's there's some relief of finally got, getting here. I think you know, like you said, it did start to feel like is the season ever ending? I mean, they were in control so early that even before things were officially secured, you knew this is what was happening. It was going to take something crazy for somebody to beat the lightning um, at the top of the standings at that point. And so I think there's kind of some like, okay, we're finally here. And then there's just a focused energy around this team. Um, Ed and Cena wrote it uh, Monday off of practice that their post-practice drills often kind of feel like games, like the kind of fooling around in the backyard that you do that's also kind of working on your hand-eye coordination, but just fun. Whereas on Monday, there was a definite focus. The drills felt like drills that you're doing with intention because you're working on the crisp passing and the uh, quick passing and the puck uh, handling. You know, everything felt very much focused and intentional. So, I wouldn't quite use the term relaxed, but there's a definite relief in now we're here and let's go. Yeah, and I think uh, I think hockey fans, um, certainly in Tampa Bay, probably feel that relief, but probably a little anxiety over what's to come. But there is nothing like uh, the NHL playoffs, and um, it is finally here, the second season for you, Diana, and for the Tampa Bay Lightning. It all begins tonight against uh, Columbus and um you can read all of our coverage in tampabay.com. Thanks, Diana. I also just want to add we have a subscription special going on in honor of the playoffs. So use BOLTS as your code word to get 50% off your subscription to read all of that content at tampabay.com. That's terrific. BOLTS as your keyword for the subscription. Thanks again. Thank you very much. I'll be honest with you, Steve. I've been looking forward to this. I know Lightning fans have too. Let me just say, you know, we've talked a little bit about the whole President's Cup thing and whatnot. I believe that from a team standpoint, they have had a laser focus and and a singular drive throughout. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's the whole season, which is to prepare themselves for this point, they they have climbed back up the mountain at least part way up. They want to get you know back to where they were with needing one more win to get to the Stanley Cup and then go further. Um, but in a weird way, I, I think that they're going to be even better in the postseason. In that um, 
you know, and Steven Stamkos talked about this, you know, it's, it's now about who's the most desperate, who's, who's the most hungry, who wants it the most, right? All these teams are good. They wouldn't be in the postseason if they weren't. These are the best in the world, and the competition gets better each round you advance. Um, so I actually think, and you don't know how the puck's going to bounce or who's going to get hurt, but I actually think that they're going to play at full speed. There's no, there's no reason to hold anything back now. Well, you better not be holding anything back. I mean, you know, after a historic season, the worst thing you'd want to do is go out in, in the first round. Right, and, absolutely. And to be honest, you're playing a team that's pretty darn good in the first round. I mean, you know, this isn't the same Columbus team that, that you saw in the beginning of the year and, and even right after the trade deadline. It's taken them some time to get going, but they've been going of late. And Sergey Bobrovsky had a phenomenal yeah. end of the season, uh, including three straight shutouts uh, down the stretch. That Now – you wonder about him in the playoffs. He's had a very shaky playoff history. He's been a great regular season goaltender, not so good in the playoffs. Can he improve that? And, you know, Columbus has a lot of players playing for contracts. They have a lot of free agents on this team. They, you know, there was thought that they were going to get rid of Bobrovsky and Panarin because their contracts were coming up and they thought they'd trade him at the deadline. Well, not only did they keep them, but they acquired more players that contracts are up, like Matt Duchesne and others. So you've got a lot of players that are looking to make splashes, and you know what better way to cash in on a big contract than to make to, to make a big statement against the Lightning in the first round of the playoffs? And so, you know, you wonder how many chances they're going to take, which can also open opportunities up for the Lightning. But you, you know, you wonder, uh, you know, and, and Columbus has nothing to lose. I mean, no one's going to pick them to win this series. Right. I mean, they're the decided underdog, and there's there's some advantage, I suppose, to that until you get on the ice and you realize why, because the other guys mm-hmm. are better. Oh, sure. You know, I mean, I mean, that's that's always the thing that goes overlooked, I think. It's sort of like that in football. And I'm not saying that Columbus couldn't beat the Lightning, because mm-hmm. obviously they're playing them, and, they, and, and any team's capable when you get to this level. But it's sort of like in the NFL and the wild card weekend. Everybody sees those games, and whoever wins those games, they think, wow, who wouldn't want to play that wild card team? And then you realize – the teams that weren't playing that week were because mm-hmm. they're just better, and then they thump those teams that won in a wild card. So, you know, the Lightning um, are the number one seed for a reason. Um, but you're right, to your point. And I also, you know, I, I think, you know, coaching matters when you get in these series. And, again, you know, it's it's played on the ice. It's, the players will decide it. But I think Tortorella, in his own way, and, and with all his experience – might be able to do some things. He might matter a little bit on the bench in this series. I wouldn't discount sort of the experience he has, not just, you know, in and outside of this organization. But, um, you know, he's got that team playing pretty well, and they're hot at the right time. They've won seven out of eight going into this series. Mm-hmm. Well, the hockey players will tell you that the hardest round of the playoffs is the first round. There's it, kind of that you want to get through that first round of the playoffs and then you kind of settle into the playoffs. That the first round's always hard. And they'll tell you opening at home is not an advantage. No, the there's, now, there's an expectation. Game yeah. seven at home is an advantage. Opening at home is not. And so when it's that first round and it's the first playoff game and everyone's hyped and, and you know, you're just trying to settle into changing your style of play from regular season to now that level of desperation and urgency that's needed in the playoffs – you know, night in and night out, that that first game can be tricky sometimes for teams, and, and you'll see some you'll see some teams lose that first game, and then they'll go on and win for uh, the next four or five, 
to, to go on and win it. But that first game can be tricky. And I, I, I think tonight, I, look, I think the Lightning will win tonight, but I, I, it wouldn't surprise me completely if Columbus took game one. And just, really? There's just so much, there's so much that goes into it of they have nothing to lose. And I, I think that's part of it, too, where you, know, you wonder how the crowd gets if Columbus gets an early goal. Or, or oh, they're going to be nervous as hell. Games. I mean, you know, it, it's yeah. just going to be. And I don't, I don't think the players necessarily buy into that completely. But you know, the, the home ice advantage is part of the, the way the crowds into the game and stuff. And if you, if Columbus can take the crowd out of the game early, and and then you know, you kind of play lockdown more. You're not going to get as many power play opportunities in the playoffs, presumably. So, you know, can they at that point then start? You know, if they get a, up a goal or two early, can they lock it down and and really make it hard on the Lightning? Knowing that you can be a little more physical and not get called for as many penalties, you know. I, I look, I the Lightning take this series. I think in five games at most six, mm. but it wouldn't surprise me if Columbus stole Game One. I don't think they will, but it wouldn't surprise me. What do you think about the playoffs and the way the playoffs are called, or in some cases not called, that may or may not impact the Lightning? In other words, they're a team that likes to skate. They're a fast team, but they've played other styles this year. Mm-hmm. Um, they seem to be able to handle any kind of physicality thrown their way. Um, do you think there's anything to the fact that, you know what, during the regular season, that's a penalty and you guys are the number one power play team, you know, in the NHL, but now it's not. Um, is that, there anything to that, you think? That's one of the things I don't like about the NHL playoffs. And, you know, you want scoring. That's what everybody wants more scoring in the league, et cetera, et cetera. Then you get to the playoffs and you start trying to score less by the, by the not calling penalties that were called all year long. Right. You know, I don't want to see, look, if it's truly a questionable call, I don't want to see that called, but I I don't want it to see where you've got to absolutely mug the guy and steal his wallet before it's (laughs) called. I mean, you know, I, I I want, if it's a penalty throughout the season, why isn't it a penalty? You know, it's, it's the old adage. Well, you know, they can't call that penalty the last two minutes of the game. Well, why then not? you shouldn't be able yeah. to call it in the first two minutes of the game either. I mean, that's right. Why do that's you, ch- right. you know, players always tell you they want consistency. You know, yep. if, if you're not going to call anything tonight, fine. Just make it consistent so we're all playing by the same rules and we know where that line is, so to speak, of what you can and can't do. It's when they get inconsistent. And, and you know, as you start the playoffs and you know that the refs are going to swallow their whistle, and, and I don't want a ref to, to decide the game or to alter the game by, you know, like I said, if it's truly questionable, don't call it fine. But a penalty is a penalty. And if you called it in game, you know, 81 of the regular season, then you need to call it in the playoffs. I've just never understood why it's this, you know, you shouldn't. And, and you know, maybe it's, you know, partly, I, I, you know, I love to watch the hockey that goes up and down the ice. I don't like to see, you know, face-off after face-off after face-off and out of play. You know, I want to see games that move and, 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 and showcase the skill of the players. And when you start, you know, all those hits and dirtying up the ice, it, it, the, the hockey's not as, as – it's, it's not as fun to watch, let's say. Let me ask you this. How many, you know, there was a game, uh, one in particular, but maybe, maybe a couple, where Nikita Kucherov just didn't seem like he showed up. Now, they're going to do things. Everybody tries to stop your best player. I don't know what Tortorello will have in mind. Do you think he? You think the experience that he gained, you know, and and all the team for that matter, but particularly someone who's as much of a marked man as as Kucherov, do do you expect him to perform any differently in this postseason? I would hope, uh, you know. And granted, Kuch wears his emotions on his sleeve, and yes. so at times it looks like 
he's not engaged in the game. And I, I don't believe that to be true, although I think he gets very frustrated, and I think it yeah. can affect his game. I, I think sometimes people read into it that he doesn't care or he's you know, not into it. I, I disagree there. I just think he gets extremely frustrated. And, and right. that, that's where the change in penalty rules and, and, and as far as the officials don't call what they did in the regular season is – it can, it's only going to – the Lightning can play any way you want to play. You want to play physical. You want to not call penalties. They can play that way as long as they don't get frustrated by it. Mm-hmm. And then, then that creeps into your game and affects your game. If Cooch sticks to his game, if the whole Lightning team, if they stick to their game no matter how the officials are calling it, no matter what happens on the ice, if they just stick to their game plan and, and what they want to do, it's hard to see them losing four out of seven. No matter what style you want to play, up and down the ice, you want to play, you know, everything's a hit and it's dirtied up and you can't get through the neutral zone, they'll find a way if they stick to their plan. If they get frustrated and get away from their plan, you know, if they start trying to to make, you know, absolute crazy passes every time up the ice, you know, that, that's when they, they when they get out of their rhythm and their plan. And that's what, you know, Kucherov at times looks disengaged. He's not. I think he's just extremely frustrated. And, and you know, hopefully – you know, he looked that way a lot in that Capital Series last year. You hope that, you know, that experience and then how he went through the regular season, even start, you know, if you remember, he had 128 points. He started the season pretty – he was struggling at the beginning of the season. He wasn't getting a lot of points early, the first 10, you know, 15 games of the season. Then he heated up. That You hope that he's learned from that and that you can't, you can't let that affect your game. You know, if you have a bad night, a bad whatever, bad shift, a bad call – you can't let it affect your game. If he sticks with it and the team does, they'll be fine. Yeah, I would I would think so too. I agree with that. And I, I think that uh I, I actually believe that the Lightning are gonna play, you know, as as good as we've seen them. I, I don't I mean, like everything you said is true. You can have a slow start. There's pressure on the home team if 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 the other team were to get out in front a couple goals. Um the Lightning have come back from many goals down many times this year. So being at home, they know they're capable of that. I really think there's going to be sort of a of a purpose that that Diana talked about. You know, the focus is going to be even laser, more laser sharp. I think they understand that every shift does matter, and and they have they have done this game by game. Now it becomes really every you know shift by shift. And I I just think that their experience and their desire um, is not going to let them slip up. But you know everybody in the playoffs is good, and they're going to have to earn it. They're going to have to make their own breaks, and 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 I think that, you know, it, I think it's set up for them to do okay. Columbus uh, is a different team than they played early this year. Tortorella could be a factor, but I like I like their chances. So I'm going to say that the Lightning beat Columbus in five. I said five or six at most. Yeah. So yeah. I, I would agree with you there. I mean, I you could easily see a sweep. I, sure. I, I don't see it I, I going could. seven games. No. And if it does, it's back here, which you would hope would bode well for them, but that would be a whole other conversation that we would have at that time. So, Meanwhile, it looks like the Tampa Bay Rays are well into winning their fourth straight series to start the year. As we're taping this podcast, uh, they're in the seventh thing. They lead the White Sox 7-2 to two if they hold on, and uh, they should. Uh, that would move them to 9-3 and three to start the season. Charlie Morton looking to go to 2-0 and on the season uh, on the mound. So pretty good start, to say the least, Steve, for the Rays. Again, the White Sox are not a great team, but the Rays have pitched very well, and they've gotten the, the timely runs and gotten on top of the White Sox uh, in this series. Well, again, they're scoring early. I think Mark Topkin tweeted that the Rays are outscoring their opponents 14-1 to in the first inning this year. That's terrific. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and, and as we talked about last night, I mean, when you pitch with a lead, it's a lot easier. 
And sure. the Rays pitchers, for the most part this season, especially because you're not giving up many runs, but they're pitching with leads more often than even ties at this point, which mm-hmm. you know makes it a lot easier to just go out there and throw strikes. Right, and that's been – I think that's the one thing that stands out is this is not a, a pitching staff that walks many batters, and they've been able to attack the zone probably because of some of those leads, and um, so that part's gone very, very well for them. Wow. It's a great start for them, and they've got one more in Chicago, but you said the weather might be bad, right? Yeah, there's uh, bad weather. There's talk of uh, at the time we're taping this, uh, they could either try to play it, they could postpone it until Thursday and stick around an extra day for the off day and play it Thursday or make it up later in the year and have to go back and play one game in Chicago. And it's the only time a year, this is the only time they go into Chicago this year, so. Extra day in Chicago. I wouldn't mind that. I can get you a rain out. You need a rain out? We can get you a rain out. Um, <laughs> that'd be fine. That'd be fine in Chicago, man. I'd be all for staying an extra day there. And then it's on to Toronto as they wrap up this uh, nine-game road trip, which uh, they're very happy with uh, the way they've played so far uh, just to start the whole year. And, and the road trip has gone very, very well. But they finally have I a mentioned... caught stealing. Ooh. Tommy really? Pham got picked off in the, I believe, sixth inning, fifth or sixth inning. Yeah, that's a cheap way to go, though. You know, you want to see the catcher have to throw you out, but yep. it is still that. So, And Chris Archer, a five-game suspension. Yasiel yeah, I saw got that. two games. So five games for a starting pitcher means you push your start back one day. Okay. I mean, granted, you don't get paid for those five days, so. Yeah, you take a little money out of his And part. there's a fine yeah. as well, but. Yeah. I never understood how starting pitchers can get five games. Well, you'd have to give him 10 games, and then would that be fair not paying a guy for 10 games just because he only plays once every five days? Yeah. Just playing devil's advocate. Yeah, no, and, and that's, that's a good point. And, you know, the, the payment part of that, I guess, is the other part of it. Right. You know. I mean, the fact that, that he's, not, he's not able to earn a paycheck might, be, might yeah. be the financial end of things. But Archer deserved that. I don't know if he'll get more for the substance that it looked like he had on his belt or not. but Apparently you could take um, on a whole team and only get two games suspension for Yasiel Puig. So. <laughs> yeah. He could have taken on the whole and team, he was too. trying. <laughs> he was. But for him, that's, you know, that's eight at bats. So the, the, they're worse off losing Puig for two games than, you know, than, the, than the Pirates would be for moving back a start one day yep. for Chris Archer. And did you see Lourdes Gurriel for the Blue Jays straight steal a home off Chris Sale? I haven't seen it. It's what you told me. So Sale was in the windup. So I wonder if there was that's all, there, uh, there was no runners on first and second. He was just the only runner. He's on third. Yeah. And he went from the wind, and, and you know Guriel got a great jump on it. And yeah. Then, I was as Sale say. saw him, he yanked the pitch in the dirt, and it was an easy steal. Yeah. The first mistake was going to the windup and turning your back to the guy. Um, you know, which of course his back would have been to him anyway. But at least in the stretch, you can peek over there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you don't see many straight steals of home. One of the still one of the most exciting plays in baseball. Absolutely. Like when I was. see it, it's still tremendous. It takes a lot of courage to go in there too. First of all, you have a good likelihood that the guy with all that equipment's gonna lay on you pretty hard. Uh and then you have a batter that you have to just pray knows that you're coming and doesn't take your head off when he swings at it. <laughs> so there's a lot of bad things that can happen to that base runner. Um so if you've got the courage to swipe it, but there's nothing there's nothing more exciting, I think. Uh, not many things more exciting in baseball than a steal of home. Well, we've almost got the picture of what the Bucks' schedule will look like. This was the preseason schedule that the NFL released. Uh, I mentioned earlier that uh, these are not cities that we normally go to, uh, at least on the road for the preseason, but the Bucks will be in Pittsburgh to kick it off, and then they will uh, 
finish up in Dallas, which is a place they've never paid, played in the preseason. In between uh, week two, uh, Miami, and then Cleveland, week three. Uh, the dates and times of these games are still not completely released. Um, so you'll have to stand by for some of that. But that's pretty much the way it's going to go. When Miami comes here, they're going to have a joint workout for a couple days and then play the Dolphins at Raymond James Stadium. So the preseason is set. We're, we'll probably get the regular season schedule Usually comes somewhere out next April. week. Usually it's a yeah, week April, before the draft. Yeah, about April 19th, I was going to say, somewhere in there. Uh, 18th, 19th. Whenever maybe, the NFL you know, Network think, needs to fill a three-hour block of programming. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's like it's like gold trying to get, you know, the, the advanced copy of that, if you will. Um, you might see some teams – leak it out or something usually but get some openers pretty... leaked or things like that but yeah yeah maybe an international game i know the bucks uh fans are anxious about when they're going to go to london i i've been told it's going to be the first or second week of this regular season that there will not be a bye week after that so that'll be interesting for the bucks they play carolina and we don't know the stadium whether it's tottenham or if it's going to be um uh wembley. the big one over there uh, wembley stadium yeah that they've been to twice already so uh, but anyway, uh, it's always a good day to to see sort of how my my entire life is going to unfold in the fall. And well, now you can plot out which make. college football games you'll be able to watch and what you'll be able to do at home and on the road. And that's true. That's true. Now you know when big, you're traveling. The home Saturdays are big at the Stroud household during the season. Let me tell you, I had a chance to talk a little bit with Jameis Winston. Um, we mentioned this on the podcast last night that he had this uh, other podcast that he did, um, which was faith based mostly. Jameis. Talked a little bit about that, not a whole lot. Um, my takeaway is it always is with Jameis. I'm just very excited. I'm just really, really excited to be the quarterback of the Buccaneers, and that's kind of what you got from him. It's clear that he likes the idea of Bruce Arians. I, I, he won't say it because I don't think he wants, as he said, look in the rearview mirror much. But it's undoubted that his relationship with Lovey Smith, who brought him into the league, was tremendous, right? Lovey wanted Jameis over Marcus Mariota. Um, you know, he – was in his corner from the beginning with all the stuff that had happened in Florida State. This was his quarterback. And then when Lovey was fired, I felt I felt that there might be some difficult roads ahead, although he, you know, had his best season winning, you know, going nine and seven in his first year under Dirk Cutter, who had been his coordinator. But then towards the end, um, it was clear that, you know, Cutter had gotten to a point where he just needed to win games and no longer trusted Jameis, got him benched. Um, this is after he came back from the suspension. Uh, and, you know, Cutter had said some things when he took over as head coach that, you know, this this wasn't the guy. He wasn't the guy he was banging the drum for. He knew Mariota more. And I just never really got the, the, the sense, even though I know Cutter thought a lot of Jameis, that there was a lot of trust there. Uh, and I can't prove that. Um, I, there was no blow-ups or anything that, that I can point to. Um, but I do think it's important in that dynamic. We've seen it all this week with the talk about Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy uh, in the story that came out in Bleacher Report, and then Rogers has said that most of that is a bunch of BS. Um, but there's got to be some truth to it, right? That, that that relationship between coach and quarterback is unlike any in sport. I don't think there's a relationship in sport like an NFL quarterback and his head coach, especially you know if you're the starter. So I know that Jameis is really excited about Bruce Arians. That came through. But more than that, he knows Bruce has his back. And Bruce has told everybody, this is my guy. That's my quarterback. Um, you know, there's virtually no competition for him. The guys behind him, Blaine Gabbert and Ryan Griffith are there. Uh, you know, Griffin are there just to 
compete for each other for the number two spot and be available if Jameis were to miss games or plays or what have you. So um, the one thing that I might take away from all of this is that Jameis is in a really good place. He's in a good place with his life. He's in a good place with his with his teammates. And I think he's in a better place uh, with his head coach. And he even mentioned um, when we talked to him that, you know, that allows the teammates to buy into him, you know, and there's none of this division and uh, who should play and who shouldn't. You know, that's that's our leader. we got to follow him. Let's go. So um, signal has been received by the Bucks. They're still working through the offseason workouts, not able to really spend a lot of time on the field except with position coaches or offensive coaches. Um, and still no Gerald McCoy, by the way. J- Jameis Winston said he talks to him. Uh, a couple times a week and just talked to him recently. Says Gerald's working hard wherever he is. I don't know if that's back in Oklahoma or he goes to San Diego and taking care of his family, but it certainly sounds like um, even Jameis and others probably don't expect to see Joe McCoy walking through the door anytime soon. So a busy day in sports, of course. It's all about the Tampa Bay Lightning in their first round of the NHL playoffs tonight against Columbus at 7 p.m. at Emily Arena. And, uh, hey, guys, uh, since the Lightning have just wrapped up this historic season, now comes this quest for the Cup. But hang on to history with a commemorative hardcover book. That's right, 160-page keepsake full of amazing photos from the Times photographers. They're going to cover the regular season and the postseason. And if you pre-order now, you save $10. Just go to boltsbook.com now to place your pre-order and save. That's boltsbook.com. The Rays wrap up their series in Chicago weather permitting so we'll look forward to talking about all of that with you on sports day tampa bay i'm rick stroud of the tampa bay times first university have a great day everybody